The Indie Council is now in session. Welcome. This is the place for leading voices from across the industry to gather and talk news, titles, and everything indie. I'm your master of ceremonies. Once again, unfortunately, Mike Taundro of 6-1 Indie. Joining the council today, making moves at Geeks and Ground, Soft Night Week, Kepler Interactive, and Wholesome Games, and ready to... No, this is old. You jumped on the no, well, you actually, on plane. No, well, actually, spoilers, I'm actually going to oh. be jumping on a plane. <laughs> again, I've had a couple... I've had one... Two surprise trips sneak up on me, so I'm traveling mm. uh, again in December and November. <laughs> Jenny Wyndham traveling the world. Oh, I, yep. is the December one like it? Like I feel like you've been traveling every single goddamn week this year. I <laughs> swear to God, um, it's all it's all fun stuff. Um, December is going to TGAs, and nice. fingers crossed, I'm actually going to be visiting the headquarters of my day job, which is Kepler Interactive, hey, um, and nice. that's in London. Sweet. I've actually oh, never ooh. been, and I've worked there for two years, so I'm very excited That's about really cool. that happening. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to London. I'm very jealous. I have to admit, London's never really been on my list. I've always been much more like, I want to go to Japan and all mm. that, but um, I am not complaining about a fun trip to see my coworkers. So. Yeah, that's great. And then where Janet, where's your thing? There it is. Pentapixels creator and has seen on <laughs> MinMax and kind of funny. Janet Garcia. Janet, hello. Hello. I'm back after also just a lot of random life things as well. So excited Janet, to be here and not having had played games actually very much. Yeah, surprisingly. It's, it's We're all fine. curious about your spider powers though. What has yes. manifested since the bite? Yeah. Um, I so for those who don't know, I was bitten by a spider. This is not a meme. This is true. <laughs> Um, it's so tough being bitten by something when you work for kind of funny where they're always joking that people get bit by snakes, like in the eye and in various parts. And that's why we're not on shows. Um, yeah, I don't, nothing has kicked in quite yet. Um, uh, you know, the jury's still out, but yeah, I, and everyone's like, oh, well, how do you know it was like a spider? Cause you didn't like see it happen or feel it happen. I'm like, I guess I don't know what it is. Something bit me and it was a negative experience. Uh, nothing too deep, but like my. I, I don't I don't even know how to explain what happened. It got like a little swollen and like maybe a little bit infected. And I got was given many, many different combinations of medications at, and at a certain point. I'm like, I'm just going to go to sleep and next week we'll be back and things will be kind of normal. So that's where I'm at. Jenna, something I appreciate about our friendship is that we have things in common, but they're not like normal things yeah. like. Oh, we both like peach tea or something like that. Like mm -hmm. we both have suffered from gnarly spider bites. Now we, we share that, uh, that connection. Now I have a, uh, it's not super visible anymore, but back in high school, I got bit by a fuzzy white spider and I have a scar on my chest from it. Uh, <gasps> oh. too long. Don't read. I ignored it for quite a bit. My body started locking up by the time I went to the ER, the doctor was like straight up was like, Hey, if you waited another few days, you would have went into shock and died. <laughs> so, I, uh, the, you know, the healing process was rough. I had an Iron Man hole in my chest for uh, like a week, which was pretty gnarly. I thought spiders were going to crawl out of me. I did think I was going to get powers because I was a dumb little I child. also felt like spiders were going to crawl out of me at one point just it's, because it yeah. was like, because just like the vibes, you know what I mean? <laughs> Only people that share our affliction will understand where I'm like, yeah. is this thing going to burst so open? <laughs> I don't have anything, <laughs> any scope of knowledge along this experience. Yeah, no, it was, it's definitely can get super gross. Um, like at one point, like I was telling my brother about it and I had sent him like over like the stats and I'm like, oh, here's like what it looks like now. Like I had to go to the ER. Da, da, da. He's like, don't. And I, and I wasn't going to post it to begin with because it's like one, a little too personal, two, very gross. Um, but he's like, do not share this 
anywhere with anyone <laughs> ever. And I'm like, should I not have sent this to you? He's like, no, it's fine. You're my sister. But like, don't don't show anybody this. <laughs> no one needs to see this. This is so scary. Dude, it, folks are lucky it happened back in high school when Twitter wasn't a thing. I would have shared day to day updates with how decrepit I looked. <laughs> yeah, no, they're surprisingly powerful creatures. That, yeah, it, it's gnarly. Um, I have a question before we get into things. Um, Jenny, mm-hmm. when is it appropriate to put up festive holiday decor? Which holiday? The, the, the festive holidays, here. the you know the the holidays, the holidays. Like for Thanksgiving? me, it's always after Thanksgiving. Yeah, after Thanksgiving, for okay. folks in the U.S., wait until after like May. If you really, really want to get going after you eat on Thanksgiving, but not okay. before. I appreciate a little bit of separation between the holidays. Janet, I agree. I think that's a good time for it. Also, um, you know, you could. <laughs> Fall decorations are a little whack, but I do, if I can, I put up like, I don't know, now we have leaves hanging from the, you know, like a little, like a leaf outside. Yeah. But like, not really. I'm in LA. It's like, if it's not a lot of nature going on, um, or, you know, you can put out like slightly different colored placemats for like the Thanksgiving decor. But yeah, I, (laughs) I wait until after Thanksgiving for the, for me, it's Christmas. So for the Christmas stuff to Mm -hmm. run amok. Yeah, oh I my think gosh. Uh, <laughs> so cute. I, I, my cat is just so happy. <laughs> oh, you can hear her purring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, now it's gone. Uh, yeah, I think uh, we might end up firing off a little earlier, maybe like Thanksgiving Day. So, so like we we moved to Raleigh this year. So obviously family back in New York and New Jersey. Um, we're not flying back because prices are buck wild for, for travel. Uh, mm. So we're just going to wait till Christmas. Uh, so, yeah, I think like since we're not going to be like running around like maniac so we might put up the tree granted our christmas tree pretty badass it's, it's a big all black tree i i did buy uh, I, I stopped in hallmark yesterday i did buy the sega dreamcast ornament that plays music Cute. from sonic adventure i saw that that looks and so cool the sonic spinning uh lad 45 dollars for two ornaments also like oh, buy the fucking, buy wow. the fucking way <laughs> Yeah, and, like, I can't I wait to do that point in my life, you know, something to aspire to. <laughs> I'm broke until next payday already. <laughs> I and like it was the kind of thing where like I wasn't paying attention to the prices and like the guy was like, yeah, this is forty five eighty two. I was like, oh, OK, because <laughs> I have just to run now. from the cash register. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we have a, a plethora of indie news and a nice topic to talk about. I'm going to light my bang candle real quick to get into <laughs> to set the mood. The mood. Yeah, um, there we go. That is so unhinged. This is, this is Did you make that or what's going I wish on I was, here? I wish I was as creative. Kelsey bought it for me uh, as a gift <laughs> one year. <laughs> it's a, uh, what is it? Cotton candy bang. You know, you light a lot of candles during this. You have a very seance energy about yeah, podcasting. Yeah, true. It is tradition. Oh, damn it. I blew it out. <laughs> Anyways, this went Xbox. on for another 40 minutes before you got to the news. <laughs> Xbox had a partner showcase. Did y'all watch it? Yeah. I unfortunately did not just because of all the travel. Well, Never. lucky for you, we're going to recap the indie stuff right now and yeah. the stuff you probably care about. Uh, Dungeons of Hintonburg was, uh, I got a little uh, gameplay preview kind of thing. Dungeons of Hintonburg, is that on y'all radars? Yes. Yeah. This is actually one of the things that I popped for when they did I don't know. Do they call it just still the Xbox showcase their E3 presentation? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that what's? Uh, yeah. So what stood out to me was just like the general art style and the aesthetic of it. Um, it kind of has this, 
I guess a almost like cell shaded, like comic booky meets cozy mm-hmm. vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say now that I'm like seeing it for the second time and you, there's like an aspect of like magic and puzzle solving and combat. I am a little unsure about how the feel's going to pan out. I, d- I could see it maybe not controlling as smoothly as I hope, but I am optimistic about, again, the general art direction of it and the um, component of it, which they showed like a good bit of just the dialogue and talking to like NPCs in the town. Like it seems like it might be a fun mashup of genres. And there's some funky like traversal stuff with, I think mm-hmm. at one point you're like on standing on like a little tornado and like, yeah. moving around space like there's something cool about the look of this one so i'm hoping that it pans out but you never know yeah i'm a sucker for a genre blend like that for me is all like that is give me anything weird that you want to mash up together i love it um and i love that dungeons of hinterberg is taking like this dungeon crawling puzzle solving aspect but then saying like oh we're gonna make the social sim from a lot of these cozier games a bit feel a bit more meaningful in the dungeons because the stuff you do at like the après ski essentially because this is almost like a ski lodge situation uh the people you get to know and like the relationships you build that's going to influence maybe like stuff that you have or people who come with you in the dungeon and i think that's a really fun way to to mash it up and i'm very excited yeah it kind of reminds me of boyfriend dungeon a little bit yeah like kind of the relationships you have outside of the combat dungeon crawling affects what you do in the dungeons and like your stats and, and whatnot. So I think mm-hmm. Janet, like you were saying, if they nail the feel, I feel like it could be like kind of a sleeper hit for next year. Like hopefully uh, they take their, you know, they take their time making the combat feel right. Um, yeah. It looks really cool. Speaking of things uh, they, that should hopefully feel good in order to stick the landing. Ikaro will not die. This is from the power wash simulator devs. They're making a full-blown action game, and it looks freaking cool. Which at first, I was thrown off by when they were like, Power Wash Simulator, from the creators of Power Wash Simulator. I'm like, is this DLC? And then I'm like, I don't think I don't see them washing anything. (laughs) So I will say that was like the first two seconds of it. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's cool. One thing that's kind of fun about this, um, even though this wasn't like a huge standout for like my taste, I just think it's fun when a developer that makes a really big impact with a really specific style of game is like, and now something totally different. Um, I appreciate that just because I think it speaks to being willing to just pursue where the team's interests lie rather than trying to solely stick with what works for you or what's proven to kind of get results. You know, it's wild. It it just occurred to me, like when this was announced that uh, the power wash simulator devs are the same devs that made the velocity on the Vita. (laughs) Velocity, a banger, a great indie, great indie gem. But like, yeah, obviously they were all in on Power Wash Simulator. So it's nice to see like them kind of going back to their like action roots and, you know, big uh, hi-fi rush vibes. I think, uh, you know, people capital, like people seem to be like really hungry for that kind of uh, old school, like throwback action game. So yeah, again, if it feels right, should be a good hit. Uh, The one I'm most excited for is still wakes the deep from the Chinese room. These are the folks behind amnesia and um, everybody's gone to the rapture. I'm all about just spoopy vibes and yeah, throw me on an oil rig, put me alone. Let me hear some screams around me. Let me figure out what the hell's going on while I fear for my life. Yeah. All about this. It just looks like such a vibe and I cannot wait. 
Mm-hmm. Jenny, I feel like you're into this as well. Oh, yeah. I'm super into it. Like the supernatural. I remember God, maybe it was also in the last Xbox showcase because I remember there was a really brief teaser of this a while back. Um, and I think honestly dredge still has its hooks in me so anything that has this sort of like gritty metallic dredge you know like i don't know i don't know anything about ocean dredgers but this seems like (laughs) something similar like a big fishing oil drilling tool i don't know um i'm ready for it i want to be scared i'm so excited (laughs) i love just kind of like the one line of it like the elevator pitch you are an offshore oil rig worker fighting for your life through a vicious storm, perilous surroundings, and the dark, freezing North Sea waters. All lines communications have been severed. All exits are gone. All that remains is to face the unknowable horror that's come aboard. Yes. Yeah, this is one where, like, I'm more excited about it hearing y'all talk about it and sort of digging into the Steam page and the web page for it. I do wish they showed it, like, a little differently because it was like, a little bit sure. of a long chunk but then there wasn't a lot to latch like i didn't get a sense of what it was until i read about it and was like oh okay like i mean you get the horror vibes i think just from the um like lighting and the emphasis on sound design they showed but i wish they kind of brought in more of that narrative aspect which of course is challenging to capture when it is you know not wanting to spoil it but also like create a sense of place um but everybody's gone to the rapture is has been on my to playlist for forever um so i'm definitely gonna be checking this out when it comes through and then funnily enough like the the kind of emphasis on the like outer rig traversal reminded me of like a moody version of what's that game that has gone viral for like you're climbing up and like you fall uh, I, th- I think you're referring to uh, Metal Harbor from Sonic Adventure 2 where you're grinding up the uh, oil rig. Honestly though honestly another thing it reminded me of was a moody version of that area in Super Mario Sunshine when you're on like the yeah. <laughs> with all like the towers and stuff I'm like oh this yeah. is like Mario Sunshine, if it was hyper realistic, um, but um, yeah, I know, the, what, I know what game you're talking about. It's called Always it's Up Arba, or something. Oh, that one, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, the one where you're climbing. Yeah. Oh, okay, I thought you were talking about the horror game that's been going around TikTok. No, but what's that? That is Fears to Fathom Iron Bark Lookout, mm. which looks gnarly as hell, and I really want to yeah, play it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Everybody's sharing the same clip of like they zooms in on the little cult guys, and everybody freaks out, and they start to oh, it looks great. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's called always up, but that was, that was this year, wasn't it? Holy shit. It at oh least went gosh, viral this year. I'm not sure if it came out this year, but oh my gosh, God, get me out of the fucking 2023. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Speaking of getting out of 2023, spirit of the North two was also announced. Um, spirit of the North, one of those games I always see on sale and I'm sure I own it on like three platforms at the very least never touched it, but apparently it was good enough and received well enough to warrant a sequel. So Cool. Uh, maybe I'll check, go back and check out the first one before this. I'm always down to play as a fox and a crow. Two pals. Probably it's sad at some point. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it does give off the feeling like, oh, yeah, at some point there's going to be something that happens between the two pals. One of them's going to get injured. I don't know. It's Yeah, you have to prepare for tears. I'm also down to try it, but it's one of those that I keep I unfortunately keep putting back like the first one. I'm yeah. like, oh, I should play it. And then I'm like, oh, but this came out. So I'll do that first and then I'll get back to it. And I, I always keep pushing back. But maybe with the second one, I'll have the opportunity to to dive into the first. Yeah. Uh, and of course, a bunch of other like bigger stuff was shown, but they're not relevant to us. They're dead to us. Alan Wake, get the fuck out of here. Know what I'm saying? Who's Arc? Alan Wake? What's Arc? Alan Wake? Get out of here. <laughs> so, solid Snake? No. 
not about that. Uh, speaking of solid, <laughs> solid things, uh, acquisitions, they're pretty solid sometimes. Devolver Digital has acquired System Error Softworks for up to $40 million. Little old indie publisher, Devolver Digital. <laughs> yeah, that ornament uh, money, you know? Yeah. That's yeah, <laughs> very true. Uh, they, uh, that's going to be the next acquisition hallmark. Uh, yep. Uh, Devolver Digital joined because the cause, the uh, Devolver Digital joins the consolidation craze with the acquisition of system error softworks for up to $40 million. The initial part of the cash and stock deal is worth uh, $22 million while the rest will come through bonuses. Established in 2014, System Era is an award-winning multi-video game, nope, multi-platform video game developer based in Seattle with a team of 50 people. System Era is the developer behind Astroneer, highly successful space exploration-themed multiplayer sandbox adventure game of which it owns 100% of the IP. Uh, I'm reading this from Games Beats. This is... Dean, Dean Takahashi. Uh... Devolver has been on a bit of a shopping spree this year, so I think this is the second notable one because earlier in the year they bought Doink, Doinksoft, uh, which obviously they had a relationship with before prior because they published things like Gato Roboto and obviously um, the Gumbrella deal was secured before they went public with the acquisition. Um, have either of you played the Astroneer? I, I, this is a game I've always seen kind of like on the outside, but I've never dug into it myself. I didn't know it was that popular. I knew people dug it, but... I didn't realize it was going to be like acquisition worthy. <laughs> no, I haven't played it. It's like one of those I also probably own yeah, from yeah. places and just have kind of like maybe that's launched at some point. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've really gotten around to it much. I I have dabbled in it. Uh, my partner and I, we went through a mini stint a few years back, like around 21, 2021, um, where we like spent a month playing Astroneer together. Uh, it's like really sandboxy and goofy. And I, I normally don't like space games or a lot of crafting games. He super digs both of those, but it was like a nice mix because Astroneer has the sort of forgiveness and coziness where I didn't feel stressed the entire time. Um, it's quite forgiving as a game. And so we had, we had a blast with it and I can see why people like there is a pretty strong community around that game. And I can see this definitely, um, definitely being a great acquisition, you know, really cool, cool team and game to have on board I'm excited to see like, you know, are they going to continue with Astroneer stuff? I don't know what they're working on next. So we'll see. Yeah, you'd imagine if it is something like that. Like, I, mm -hmm. it feels like multiplayer sandbox is something that is a gap in Devolver's catalog at the yeah. moment. So, if it is a sequel, good for them. And like, you know, that that definitely checks off another box in the in the library of Devolver. And if people are really into it, I feel like people will really get attached to it. And with uh, Devolver having more money than God at this point, I feel like the Ashenier team could really go buck wild with a uh, whatever they have. Uh, Stored in the Mind Palace, we'll say. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Alan Wake. Jenny, you brought up a very interesting article before we uh, started recording. Mm -hmm. 2023 has the best reviewed slate of video games of the last 20 years from Axios. This is from Steven Sotillo from Axios. And Kavya Barrage. I butchered that. Uh why did you want to bring this up? I feel like you should take lead on this because you probably have more knowledge than I do and you probably have time to read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, the headline itself is quite interesting. I think a lot of people, um, you know, 
let's like ignore the layoffs. Let's like ignore that element of the game industry at this point, um, just to look at this article and what they're trying to say about gaming Metacritic scores, like in terms of Metacritic scores and like game experiences, this is probably one of the most um, highly acclaimed years that we've had in a very long time. Um, In the article itself, they have this graph of how many titles by release year that scored 90 or more on Metacritic. And we have 25 so far this year. And we still got, you know, December (laughs) and November ostensibly coming through, um, which is pretty significantly higher than most titles since like a long time, honestly, like 2011 was maybe close, but ever since 2011, it's been on a sharp downward trend. And so what I think was really interesting is that this article pulled up some reflection points on why that may be. Why are games suddenly like all releasing and are all amazing according to these Metacritic scores? And one of which is they talk about the extended development time, especially related to COVID. Um, teams had, a, we had a lot of delays related to just people being have to having to adjust to work from home. And because of that, games were delayed for multiple years in a lot of cases. And so by having that much more time to just cook in the oven, these games, this article argues, perhaps had more time to get polished to actually refine their loops and be better as a whole. Um, there, w- I was also thinking, and after hearing, I forget what it was. I think it was an interview with like the Final Fantasy VII remake folks, but how these teams, because they also worked together for longer, their relationships were stronger, and they were better able to collaborate and work together, even among some of these work from home like trials and tribulations. Um, so I found that quite interesting, especially in light of all these layoffs, considering what may happen in some of these subsequent games that we see, where I anticipate all of this knowledge is left. We may see pushes for shorter dev cycles now that return to office is a thing. Um, and so it's just really interesting to see how this like successful year of games may be one end of a pendulum, pendulum swing into another. But yeah, curious what y'all think. Yeah, I mean, Jenna, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna really quickly to the last point you mentioned of will this kind of swing back? I think for sure, especially besides the switch, like shift in office culture, or like you know, some people return to office, which I feel like maybe is a bit of a more mixed bag, just in the indie scene, in the sense that like a lot of people were already like, we don't have an office already, you know, like that was (laughs) that might be a little bit um, maybe less relevant for certain studios, but just in general, like what goes up must come down. Like it's not every mm-hmm. year is going to be a banger year in terms of the content that is produced. Um, and besides like all of their like reactionary things that we're seeing in terms of, you know, studio shuttering layoffs, I think just general unrest and stress. Um, there's also just like it. I don't know if we ever really have back to back years of the same caliber when they're, when the mm-hmm. caliber is high. And it's not to say that there aren't great games coming out every single year or that there isn't something kind of fun about, a more down year in terms of like the most anticipated releases because it gives you an opportunity to dig more into the weeds and play things that you might not have time to while like this year like my backlog has some of like the best games ever and I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna get to this because it's too many <laughs> games uh but yeah I do suspect next year will probably be you know a down year in that sense and again that doesn't mean there's not gonna be awesome games coming out or things to right. already look forward to but not every year is going to be like the next highest, like this kind of stat, I think 
isn't going to crop up again for some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you bring up a good point. I don't think we, I don't know. I think we should aim for quality games, but there's a, it's, it's really, um, the fallacy of always wanting to have higher numbers just in general, this like sort of capitalist mentality, I think is also a really unhealthy one. So I agree, like definitely celebrate like this happened, reflect on why, and maybe some of the things that we could implement to keep a standard of quality high for the developers themselves and their work. But like, yeah, we're, we're 25 games already this year at over 90 is a huge number. Yeah. You brought up, kind of shorter experiences as well like i don't think every game like granted especially nowadays where i have very limited time to play something or like even see a game through to the credits not every game has to be a hundred 150 hour experiences granted like if you if you can make that kind of game in a healthy environment and it be renowned and successful and all this good stuff hell yeah talk about larian and baldur's gate like fuck yeah you guys nailed the assignment but like looking at the first two indies on this Metacritic list that are above 90, Cocoon, and the second one is a caveat, but for one playthrough, Cocoon and Slay the Princess. Both mm-hmm. of those for a single playthrough, again, caveat being Slay the Princess for spoiler reasons, takes four to six hours to complete. And I use complete in loose terms, roll credits, whatever, especially when it comes to Slay the Princess. <laughs> um I, I think Okay, how have, many times am I gonna have to play Slay the Princess? <laughs> I, I haven't I, I haven't touched it yet from what I've seen from the PR rundown. Apparently it takes like 25 hours to see everything and like get yes. like the true ending, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's the near like 25 of, to 30. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think like, you know, I, I look at things like I don't know, well, I'm trying to think of like some of the AAA stuff. Like, well, like take Spider-Man, for example. Like Spider-Man 2 adored all 25 hours I put into that game. Cocoon had such a bigger impact on me in, in that tight four to five hour experience than I think Spider-Man or like any other AAA game has in in quite some time. And I have a feeling the same is going to happen with like Slay the Princess or even things that have high replay value that I keep going back to like um, Spin Rhythm XD, which actually just launched on Switch. Go buy Spin Rhythm XD. It's fantastic. But um, yeah, I, I giving people the room to breathe and possibly aim for a tighter kind of experience could again, create that healthier environment and more quality. Like I don't think quality equates to length and time. I know a mm-hmm. lot of people will say like, well, I'm spending $20 or $25 for X amount of hours. Like this is a ripoff, blah, blah, blah. People are going to complain about that when it comes to like 50 hour experiences as well. I think people are, were kind of complaining about Spider-Man being short and like people plotting it over a weekend. And I was like, well, that's your own, your own damn fault first off. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of hope that, you know, people are looking at things like Cocoon, Slay the Princess, uh, just scrolling down the list really quickly. Um, no, none of these are good examples. So Slay the Princess and Cocoon <laughs> and see like, oh, maybe we don't have to try to aim for an endless game. And maybe we just say make something really solid with really great mechanics and a great narrative with great characters and yeah, make mm-hmm. more of an impact on, uh, yeah, was it just like a, a shorter kind of a, I don't know, shorter experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one highlight that um, that they mentioned a little bit in the article that I also want to bring up because I didn't say it initially and I, I, I want to make sure it's not lost um, is that like Metacritic scores are scores. <laughs> they're given yeah. by people. They're kind of arbitrary. So like even if a game doesn't get above 90 does not mean it's a bad game. Like they give tell me Pizza Tower at 89 is, is not an immaculate experience. <laughs> Try harder. Trash, right? Yeah. Trash. <laughs> 
Um, but like they, they referenced, I think it was like chance of Sonar as well, where it's like, yeah. that's an 85, you know? And it's like yeah. these scores also, if you, if you have a game that you love, that's a 60 or a 50, whatever you love it, that's all you. You enjoy your games, but, um, I think it is just interesting that, yeah, it's just an interesting trend, um, to have noticed over the last year, especially considering everyone's comments. Yeah. And like it pays off. I mean, uh, how long has Slay the Princess been in development? I feel like, you know, that has been kind of in the ether for such a long time in Mm -hmm. conjunction with like Scarlet Hollow and stuff like that. But clearly it paid off and people are really attaching themselves to those characters and, and the narrative and the mystery behind that entire experience. and. You know, nothing against Insomniac or any of these AAA games. Like, again, I fucking adore Spider-Man 2 and then I adore things like Dead Space and Resident Evil 4 and stuff like this. But like, I I haven't thought about the Dead Space remake and, and Resi for quite some time now throughout this year. Meanwhile, I keep going back to things like Return, which banger three hour experience that had like this killer mystery and really fun combat mechanics and had like a similar kind of vibe to a Dead Space or a Resident Evil that took a fraction of the time. Um, so yeah, I, I really hope people, yeah, I, I think it's just, just making smarter choices in terms of like a healthy work environment and, and not trying, not feeling like you have to, I don't know, force yourself into busting your ass to, to reach, you know, I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, not like stress over expectations of length equals quality. I guess that's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it is nice that like I feel like people are more a little bit more okay with indies being shorter. Uh, there definitely is an up sector yeah. of the audience that doesn't like that aspect of indies. And I do think that is something to try to hopefully like shift the community to. Cause again, it's all like I forgot what the word for this is, but it's where sort of just like what you expect something to cost or just like what you're willing to pay for it. It's like kind yeah. of almost mm-hmm. regardless of the quality of it. I, I was thinking of this actually even yesterday, and you know, I think at least for myself, I try to avoid falling into that mindset, but I can't lie and say like, I didn't really bat an eye when it came to like renting us for like four or $5. But like, I might slightly bat an eye for like buying a game for $5. Not cause I don't think the game is valued at $5, but just because for some reason that level of impulse, like I impulsively rent movies more easily than I impulsively mm-hmm. buy games, even though I impulsively buy games a lot as well. Yeah, especially <laughs> I think being on the show and adding so much to my wish list and being like, What's what's five dollars eight times? I can't do math. Like who knows? Like we have no way of knowing <laughs> what this comes out to. Um, but I think too, like to um, what you said, Jenny, with the development cycle aspect of it, and you know, di- different games are made in different ways, and what works for one studio might not work for another. But I think too, even just utilizing early access and betas um, can be a mm-hmm. way to sort of have your cake and eat it too in terms of the cycle, but also like getting a sense of the interest building the community early you know we've mentioned on this show like so many times like the importance of having community within your game and ha- and like really fostering that and you know that's something that cuts across both AAA and indie where a lot of people have talked about the success of Baldur's Gate 3 in relation to how long not just the development cycle is but the way mm-hmm. they had their like early access beta and you know Dave the Diver had its early access period as well and that was a game that for, oh, I think a lot of people came out of nowhere, but I'm sure for the hardcore fans, they're like, oh, yeah, we we knew this was going to hit because we were there as they were building the banger that it became. And then suddenly, you know, again, it cropped up on Metacritic and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, this game that maybe you wouldn't be aware of otherwise, you know, you now are kind of 
paying attention to, which I guess, you know, a little bit of a larger conversation, but I think that is at least somewhat of the benefit of scores. They are just numbers and they don't really mean a lot necessarily. And at the same time, they have like so much baggage to them. But the one nice thing is it might make someone pay attention when they otherwise uh, may not have. Uh, so at least there is some aspect <laughs> of benefit yeah, alongside sure. <laughs> the divisiveness that scores tend to create for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious, given Baldur's Gate's success and like kind of, Jenna, what you were just talking about with like transparency. Like, I, I'm curious if people start trying to follow that model, especially when they are going into a project that they know is going to take, you know, at this point, you know, five, six, seven years. Like, I think like for bigger experiences, that's realistically what we're looking at nowadays, just with expectations and and just creativity and ambition. Um, so I'm curious if we start seeing more projects go into an early access phase or start inviting folks to betas. Like I know a lot of indies, like not outside of the early access side, um, like they're just inviting folks to private betas and just trying to get that feedback and build that community and just get people playing the game as early as they can. Not everybody could achieve this. Obviously, like, again, take Spider-Man or like Wolverine or some of the like first party stuff. We'll never see something like that happen to a first party thing. I, I don't think, um, but yeah, I think it's that kind of equates to um, just player feedback and improving on things every step of the way before it's way too late. Uh, you know, I'm looking at uh, I just picked up Lunacid uh, recently, which uh, oh, nice. just hit just hit 1.0 mm-hmm. the night I think on maybe yesterday hit 1.0. Um, Ooh, but yesterday it was already, Halloween. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what the world is saying to this. It's like two years later. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I know uh, the dev was like super transparent throughout the entire early access pay- phase and people were playing it and like already leaving like some fantastic Steam reviews and just uh, feedback every step of the way. And that helped it break. I-, I saw people talking about it like once I hit 1.0, like people I wouldn't expect to really pay attention to for all intents and purposes of niche indie harkening back to a niche from soft property that is just kind of like a spiritual successor. So yeah, I, I- at even things like... um pseudo regalia that like broke out quite a bit also that like had a extended early access phase and uh it's again a very short experience um but because of the transparency it was received incredibly well and i think a lot of that has to do with the player feedback and same equates to Baldur's gate i'm not a Baldur's gate person i have not played it i'm just not my jam but um yeah i'm curious if uh people start adapting adopting that kind of transparency going into these long cycles you know it's kind of like movies and whatnot like we know what movies are in production for years i would say argue like especially things like dceu and and the mcu stuff like that sure you don't want to present all your cards on the table but i don't think it's too bonkers to think like yeah this studio is working on x game here's what we're working on this week and here's the updates for October and November. And here's a look at this character model and these kind of threads that we're thinking about. Again, it's just like kind of like gives back to the community more. And once it comes time to review these games, I think it just puts an extra layer of polish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what will be really interesting is to see again, I just, the, the hiring practices and the firing practices of the industry are just like top of my mind this week. And especially considering early access is such a highly community, like it is a community 
focused event, essentially, um, and seeing how community managers, social media managers are often the first ones let go or considered not useful to studios because they're not directly related to like the programming of the game or like the art or, you know, sort of like the hard elements of the game. Um, I'd be really curious to see if more early access becomes a trend, how does this perhaps shift, hopefully shift, uh, the roles of community managers and folks who are community adjacent in these, in these studios. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We'll see how the next year and, and years shape out. Um, yeah, obviously like fucking fantastic year for video games, uh, in terms of the content itself, but it's, it's a weird bag to talk about with how many awful situations we were we've been discussing on this podcast and just having like a lot of friends have been dealing with and colleagues and it's it's awful so yeah it's like a great year for gamers but like not a great year for people that make the games (laughs) like it's Mm -hmm. it's this weird sort of um not necessarily disconnect but um sort of contrast that exists in the space but um yeah you know um i know people will keep going and things will be people will proceed like you know persevere through these situations because unfortunately like it's just what's necessary of it um and i think people have enough of a passion to to push through it but um yeah it is i think especially when we think about like what cycle is coming next it this year has been a lot of the groundwork that's being set up is bad (laughs) like you know it is it is cuts it's people being let go and it's also i think people just getting discouraged um i saw a lot of um you know, darkness coming from people that weren't necessarily directly affected by the massive waves of like layoffs and and cuts that have been made, but their spirit is affected. And that's also like something worth, um, I think acknowledging. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it is tough when we talk about the idea of transparency and laying out like what, what things are to come, the idea of people that we don't know where we never know their work because their work started before it could re- stopped before it could really start. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm hoping that we don't have this kind of year again, in a sense, even though the software has been obviously fantastic. And like looking at that list of Metacritic games from the indie side, there's at least like, I'd say probably a dozen that range from 92 to like 79 or 83. And that's like so mm-hmm. many, there's been so many like landmark indies this year, which yeah, I'm sure as we like yeah. approach end of year conversations, we're starting to really like zoom out and look at how many, not just great indie titles there are, but like great sort of big name titles. Like, you know, and Slay the Princess is like starting to get, you know, that buzz now that it's out and people are playing it and talking about it. But, you know, Cocoon, David Divers, you start like so many of these like projects, humanity, like in any other year, there's usually only like, I don't know, one to five in, in like a more casual sense, people that don't follow the indie mm-hmm. spaces closely where they're like, oh yeah, like we all played Tunic or we all played whatever, you know, the thing that is showcased by maybe a bigger publisher or partner. But here there's like 12 of those, which is, yeah. well, I think wonderful for the space too. And that's like not even getting into the weeds of, you know, uh, Goobies and the other titles that we <laughs> talk about here that aren't making necessarily those top of mind lists, but are still like fantastic titles. So um, yeah, there's a lot to dig into in the in the space from that sense, which is um, which is good, even though mm-hmm. everything else is really bad. <laughs> yeah, maybe we do that next week. I want I ca- I'm curious to hear what y'all think are going to be like the Jeff Keeley best indies category because that is like an interesting like ooh games game for um, what do they call it? games for there, so there's also games games for change or games for impact that games also for impact, yeah, games for impact is what yeah. it is yeah 
Because, yeah, it's been like such an incredible year for indies. Like, but I can't see things like, unfortunately, like just the way like things are, uh, we could talk about it next week, but things yeah, like Devolver, Annapurna, whatever. Like, I can't see like a Slay the Princess making the cut or a, uh, oh, I just had, uh, or like Videoverse making the cut. Like, even though those right, are like, yeah. like beloved 90 Metacritic and above kind of things. But, um, yeah. Mm. I'd be curious about like, like Sea of Stars, for example. Yeah, like, like something like that. Yeah, because I wonder, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about I'm it. like, the gears yeah. are already turning now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll be fun. Uh, but for this week, what have y'all been playing? You both have been playing a game <laughs> that apparently uh, everybody needs to play now and, and it's adding to my backlog. So thank you, uh, Industry, for loving another game. Uh, Jusant. Jusant. Who wants to start with Jusant? Um, how far in are you, Jenny? Because I'm not that far. So I finished it. Okay, so, I, yeah. I will start because I don't have much to yes, say. So you know, you I don't. I don't, well, I don't. I inherently don't have as much as as you do. Um, I'm very early. I feel like maybe like half an hour in. Which, granted, the the runtime is not terribly long. It's like a couple hours. Um, oh, thank God. Um, right, like it's like six or something, right? I think. It's yeah, four, I think I finished maybe? it in about five hours. Yeah, okay. it's it's pretty short, and I could even just tell from like they're like you're almost done with the trophies. I'm like I just started. Oh, okay, I guess it's almost <laughs> yeah. Done. Yeah, um, I took four hours to play it. So oh, yeah, this is um, a don't not title. Um, and so far I'm liking it all right. I'm not head over heels, but it is um, the art is very pretty, and it has a, a really meditative aspect to it. Just like the way you like walk and traverse the land. Uh, they also like hit you with some of those very um, cinematic wide zoom out shots kind of in the vibe of um what's that game that playstation game that everybody likes that i don't shadows of the colossus like that that like spectacle <laughs> like the where it's like oh wow like look at the grandiosity of the environment um so i could see this landing for me eventually I, well, my my hope for this game is that it'll end up being a slightly less loved for me solar ash kind of level game where solar ash is a game that like i adore but it's not like it doesn't move me super like it doesn't move me that much, but I just like the game a lot. Like I like being in the world. I like ne- traversing the space. I like zoning out and doing it. And I could see this landing there. And then I just want to also shout out with this being a don't add project. They're, you know, known for their narrative roots. And I think it is cool that they put this out there. And again, it is kind of a, a bit of a pivot from what you tend to get from the studio and i really like that for them as well and that it's cool that it's being so received in the sense that i know that's something that they kind of have put out there that they like want to do they're like we are tired of being like the life is strange studio like we're we're more we do other stuff and you know and they had that title tell me why that was like very similar in style to life is strange so i'm like uh you know i feel like they've been sort of rocking this refrigerator of trying to make a name for themselves beyond what is admittedly like a really beloved and great game, but they have had that desire to be seen as more creatively. And I think this is their opportunity to kind of do that. And it seems like, you know, even on the more negative end of the spectrum, like people are like, oh yeah, this is like, it's super solid to like really good. And it's getting a lot of buzz from uh, people that have, have checked it out and and people that are on like the Xbox team. Uh, But Jenny, you finished it. How was it? Yeah, I I thought it was a really, really solid game. I think, you know, is it like the greatest, you know, it, it doesn't hit like the greatest tier for me, but it is a game I absolutely re- would recommend for folks to play. It's short enough that I feel really comfortable and being like, yeah, you should pick it up because you can finish it in like two solid sessions if you're like hunkering down and climbing and you will want to because like you were saying, it's super meditative where the climbing, I played it with um, an Xbox controller and just using the trigger 
triggers to like just move right and left feel so methodical and good. And I feel like it's quite interesting because usually climbing games are associated with highly precision based, highly challenging like elements. Like you, I, when I think of climbing, I think of ice climbers, which I hated when I was a kid. Um, I think of Celeste, you know, there's this element of challenge and perseverance, um, getting over it with Bennett Foddy. That is like, I'm not even going to get into it because I never played it because it was like, I, I did one session and that was it for me. Um, and so climbing, yeah, climbing is always associated with this level of like challenge and, and perseverance through that challenge. And I think there's enough, like there's enough pushback where if you get to the later levels, you're like, Ooh, I do have to think about what I want to do. I have to plan sort of the map that I want to climb. I think in rock climbing and bouldering, they call it like the puzzles. Like literally they're called puzzles and you, you do have to map out what you're doing, but it's a really beautiful game. And it reminded me of like Abzu or Rhyme in that you have this mechanic that you can go through. You can enjoy it without the story. But if you do want to get the narrative elements, I think Don't Nod's strength absolutely shines in the environmental storytelling and in the notes that are left. Um, this game has this relationship it's a, it's about relationship to history. And so you're not only like trying to figure out what the mission of this one person and this little cute creature is for them, but, um, you're, you're learning about the relationship to the past that this place that you're climbing has and what its history is and what it means for your future. And so I think that kind of melancholy story is one I'm always into. Um, yeah, I really dug it. I think everyone should give it a shot. I think it's, uh, is it on Game Pass? I should know. It is. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And also I should have started with this full disclosure. I was, I did do a sponsored post for them on like my personal social Mm -hmm. channels. Um, but that does not impact. Like, wow. I would tell you if I didn't like it. Wow, what a show! <laughs> but yeah, Jesus. I know, God. Um, but yeah, I I liked it. I think the benefit is that it's it would have gotten repetitive had it been any longer, mm. but it stopped mm. exactly where it needed to for me uh, at least. I think I too, like to to add to your point on the feel of the game and like what it's like mm-hmm. to do the traversal. It reminds me a lot of um, which <laughs> no. Most people haven't played this because it's a VR game. Um, but the uh, horizon, the the climbing in Horizon, like the VR one, Call of the Mountain, kind of reminds me a little bit of that, where it's like not too difficult to do, but you do have to like think about doing it because you're like the the gameplay is that trigger gameplay if you're playing on console with a controller that you're discussing. It also reminds me a lot of the um, the climbing aspects when you're like in the little monkey suit in Astro playroom Mm. or Mm -hmm. yeah astro's playroom for the ps5 that feeling of the sort of haptics and the pressing on the triggers it feels basically like that um Mm -hmm. that being said like to your point it is it it is inherently like kind of a repetitive action but like it's a it's a nice thing to be doing um and yeah the environments do have that lived in but kind of not post-apocalyptic, but it kind of has a little bit of that energy of what the environment was before. And you're sort of reading those notes. Um, one thing I kind of wish they did, I did wish they had like narration for the notes. Cause I'm like, these are kind of long, like, I mm-hmm. want to read all this. but, um, <laughs> but yeah, like I'm, I'm hoping that this will, um, hit for me decently, like a little bit higher than some of the other more like meditative experiences that I, that I've done before. So I'll probably stick with it, especially because I, I do think a lot of people are really into it. So I'm like, all right. And again, like you said, it's not that long. So I'm like, I guess I'll see this out and, and see what other areas uh, are there to encounter and explore. 
Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited to climb a mountain. But uh, before I've been, before, no, I don't have a segue. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> playing, I, I've been doing a lot of taste testing this week. Uh, I've stuck with a couple things. Do a couple quick shout outs. Uh, if you could believe it, Hotline Miami is 11 years old. Is 11 years old this week, wow. which is horrifying. They re-released both one and two on PS5 and Xbox, the uh, Series X and S. Uh, I've been playing the PS5 version of Hotline Miami one. Really great. Like, obviously, it still looks beautiful. The gameplay is killer, whatever. But, like, they added uh, some haptic stuff with the dual sense. Um, it's very similar to uh, Spidey's use of the speaker, where it's not like overbearing and like it actually like adds a little flavor to the gameplay. It does that. Um, so, if you haven't played Hotline Miami, you should definitely play the new versions. Uh, if you haven't played Hotline Miami in a long time, it is a delight to go back to. So, cannot recommend it enough. Um, I dug into uh, so six one indie. We started doing um, we're starting to do Friday night streams uh, every week. And last Friday we dug into don't scream, which was uh, making the rounds on socials. Maybe a couple weeks ago it is a hyper realistic horror game. First person horror game uh, where you are just stranded in the woods. And the goal of the game is to survive for 18 minutes. The catch is that it's picking up your microphone and you cannot scream. If you scream, it resets. Or if you're, if you're a little too loud, it resets. Um, it's great. It, it's currently in early access. It, it There's still a lot to be done. Um, like the, the jump scares are pretty repetitive after the first cycle. And, uh, you know, I would love to see some of the scenarios kind of fleshed out. Like you could go in different directions. Like once you start the, the run or the session or whatever they call it, you'll see a, a signpost that says like, go north for the farmland, go south for the homestead. Uh, east for the market stuff like that you could find like different areas and like explore them like we found the house during one of our runs and like the house was so awfully disturbing and horrifying in its own right and very different than just like wandering the woods so i hope to see like a lot of those areas get fleshed out and added more um but it's like a fun like especially on stream with with friends that are trying to make you scream and freak you out uh, it's a really fun ride and um, I cannot believe this is one of those video games that video games like the environments are stunning. Uh, I think it's all made in Unreal 5 and like now I finally see like the power of Unreal 5. It's like fucking bonkers. Um, happy to report that my first run, I did make it to 18 minutes. Wow. Nice. Pro gamer. Pro gamer. Well, so this is really re- like <laughs> like I'm looking at the screenshots now and I I thought it was was like FMV or something. No, like, yeah, it looks like FMV. So like, it real. looks good. Yeah, like some of the once you like see some of the character models and stuff, like it's definitely like you could tell it's a video game, but like just the environments are wild. Yeah, it looks like an old like it looks like Blair Witch, honestly, like an old VHS kind of look to it. Yeah, this is I don't know how people make this. Like I can never, I can never, I know, I can never. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I'm excited to continue following the development and some of the updates and stuff. Uh, It's it's a great time. I can see it there being a lot of potential in that, Um, but I've. What I've been really pouring into, uh, that's not a sentence. What I've really been pouring time into <laughs> is uh, Bleak Sword DX. Uh, this is from More 8-Bit, published by Devolver. Um, Bleak Sword, the original, was an Apple Arcade joint, I think, at Apple Arcade's launch. Um, and I I dabbled in it a little bit, uh, you know, especially when I got like one of the, uh, the backbones. And, and it was great on Apple Arcade. Uh, over this past summer, I think it launched during summer game fest that's why i'm only getting to it now um 
they ported it to Steam and Switch, and they added some bells and whistles. They expanded the actual campaign a little bit. Um, the elevator pitch for this game is that it's Souls Combat, but in a stage structure that is very reminiscent of Mario. So, like, you are going world to world, and there is, like, world 8-1 that, uh, like, and, you, you know, you're just completing these little biome stages, uh, just parrying, dodging, doing the whole Souls thing. Um, and it's so damn good. The The gameplay loop is so engaging. Like, I don't want to put it down. It does the wonderful thing of, like, similar to, like, Hotline Miami, you die, you instantly restart the level, and you're, you're back in. So, like, you never feel that... Um, that dread of like losing out on too much or like having to backtrack too much or having to go through a load screen, which is like, you know, back when Bloodborne first launched, for example, like going through the load screen was such like a pain in the ass that like would make you want to quit and put the controller down. Um, yeah, it's just like the combat is so fluid. The game's style and look like, I mean, given the uh, the developer's name more 8-bit, it's very much in this like one-ish like hyper one-bit style these beautiful dioramas like 2d sprites in a 3d plane um all black and white except for some of the uh um flashes of red in terms of like uh some some flames or blood or like uh heavy attacks um the game rules and like i'm it breaks my i tweeted this out last night it breaks my heart that like it had like little to no conversation around it especially this Mm -hmm. version of the game because it really is one of my favorite experiences of the year. Like I see like, yeah, it has like a very positive, positive on steam. Like people are definitely playing it, but like the fact that it launched during summer game fest time, like I feel like it kind of took the wind out of its sails a little bit. Um, so I urge people to check this out. It plays wonderfully on steam deck. It is such a great handheld game. I'm sure the same goes for switch. If you rather play it on switch. Um, yeah, it's a great time. It's challenging. So like if you're not up for, frustration to that to that level um you know patience is key but uh yeah it's a great time nice cool y'all look at that um, short and sweet episode oh sorry jenna go i do want to i do want to add yeah. um i remembered one game i was playing just from you like talking about the oh, the God nature <laughs> point point no point b rules please yeah. talk about point b. Why, what's do you have point p problems like what's going no, on I, I, is there I, like please, a... I don't i don't have point p problems okay what was point the reaction is, then like what's going on point p is i i correlate point p to like my paralysis demon my sleep paralysis okay. demon you know <laughs> is it because you like went you, is it because you're like not into point p or because you're too into point p like what's going on there's like a history here i think i think like point p is always my go-to for like long flights and travel mm-hmm. time and like I would always nod off while I'm playing Point B, and then I would start dreaming about Point B, and then all of a sudden, like <laughs> there's turbulence or something. I think that Point B is like hitting the the back of the wind or something. <laughs> yeah. <playing. laughs> so Point Point B, God, when did this come out? It came out a while ago. Like was it is it two years? I don't know when this first came out, but um, it can't be that long ago because it was on Netflix Games, which isn't that old of a service. But Point B is um, funnily enough, I didn't realize it was a Devolver Digital game or associated game. Yeah, really? Wow. Yeah, apparently. Nah, years are long because I feel like wow. Point P. I feel like I grew up with Point P. So anyway, <laughs> um, if quick little description, uh, just like when you Google it, yes. the new game follows a little tiny fella named Point P. <laughs> yeah, so we should probably explain what this game is because if you sure. know Point P, you need no introduction. No if you don't, you just hear us saying Point P a lot because it is fun <laughs> to say and it probably. is fun to play. Point P is a... Um, it's a uh, it, it's from the, the creator of Downwell, so it, instead of going down, you're going up. Uh, so it's a vertical climbing game. Uh, again, another climbing game. Oddly enough, yep. uh, 
like a climbing platformer situation, uh, one hand touch controls. It is ridiculously intuitive. Um, it is a lot of sort of either bouncing off walls or um, sliding across objects or bouncing off enemies. Uh, your goal is to get, you'll have like different fruit that you need to get. It's kind of like you're making smoothies. They'll be like, oh, you need like one with two apples. And then you get like two apples and then you can continue to rack up points more. Um, there's a sort of the progression systems based on like the points to a degree. So you can like kind of inadvertently grind, like you have like different um, goals to maybe hit to like reach new areas of the game. Um, and as you work towards those goals, you unlock things like additional slots for power ups, or maybe you get like an extra jump unlocked. And it's, it's very like clear with what is the next progression threshold that you can hit. Um, and something that I've been having a lot of fun with is as I've started to similar to uh, you, Mike, where it, this is like my sleep paralysis demon. I got into this because like, again, had a lot going on, was really busy, did like travel that I wasn't expecting and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what I can, I can't do much, but I can play point P <laughs> and I did play a lot of point P and it's always been fun. Um, and I feel like they do a lot with a little, I think it's a great example of a game that is, you know, highly simplistic, easy to grab onto, understand and have fun with, but gets additional stuff. So one thing that sort of surprised me was unlocking like an additional mode of the game. That's kind of like this puzzle mode, um, which like light spoilers. For the game. Cause I will say I, it was fun when like, I, I didn't know what would, what I do. Like you get to the top of like a thing and there's like a chair and I'm like, what happens now? And I was like, Ooh. And then my partner was also playing point piece. So I was like, you got to see what happens when you hit the chair. And it's this like different <laughs> mode of the game. And I'm like, Oh, like this is such a, it's just such like a nice, delightful, well-made game. I think the art is also like, some of the cutest art I've ever seen. It's very much like picture a uh, like a coloring book and it's colored in with like bright like Crayola markers. That's point P like that's the vibe of what you look at when you look at point P. Um, I love point P. He got a little he holds a little mallet. He's got little like he's, he's almost like a, a more simplistic like Kirby shape. Like he's just like he's friend shaped. He's a friend shaped friend. I love him. <laughs> We'll play this game yeah um also too and like i know a lot of people are kind of sleeping on the netflix games vertical because it's like what's going on here like this isn't where i play my games but check it out you got netflix i know you do play point p it's fun i've been having a lot of fun with it dude the problem i have with the netflix games thing it's impossible to find where the fucking games are yeah there's mm -hmm. so many it's awful. like it's also just one of those things where like I just have a bad feeling that like any day now they're like, it is with great displeasure that we are announcing the end of Netflix. You know what I mean? Like, but Hey, Dude, I don't know. The point P guy is still, still making something right. He can buy those $4 yeah. ornaments. I think like, I think he's doing pretty well for themselves. I don't know. Yeah. Listen, Netflix games has some fucking bangers on there. Like before your mm -hmm. eyes is on there, which mm -hmm. is one of the great games ever made. Like obviously like oxen free and stuff is on there. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some great stuff. I Spirit think, Star, Moonlighter. I know. I think the nice thing about Netflix games that makes me less a little less scared. Minus point because I think point P is only on Netflix games, but a lot of those titles are available on other stuff. So it's like, yeah. okay, cool. More just more places to hustle your thing, more ways for people to access mm -hmm. it um, for no additional price from what they're already paying for like another subscription kind of thing. So um yeah, Netflix, the Netflix of gaming, because they're Netflix games. <laughs> this <laughs> is Netflix. <laughs> Yeah. Wait. Oh, I was. This is the next, the different game. So if you have another thought. Okay. Oh no, I was just. Like, they do have some exclusive stuff. I was trying yeah. to think of one that I was actually really into upon launch. Lucky Luna. Mm. Lucky Luna is a really cool, mm. um, just like one finger, like one thumb platformer. That um, pretty interesting. Um, is this still on? Yeah, 
it should still be on okay. there. Uh, Let me winner. struggle to find it. Uh. <laughs> Please. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Netflix games is, is killer. Uh, like the lineup is really great. Like, obviously you have some like your, your basic ass, like mobile games, but like, listen, you got things like we were saying, like, you know, there's a, a Valiant Hearts game on here that I forgot came out last year that I oh very much want to play. Yeah. Um, and of course you got things like Sonic Prime Dash and Bloons Tower Defense 6. Like, let's fucking go. Um, speaking of uh, like Devolver also secretly killing it with mobile. Uh, have y'all played Tumble Time? No, I don't no. think so. I feel like I've heard of it. I have not. I, I urge you both tonight when you're, when you're chilling, just <laughs> you're you're on the couch watching some trash TV. Download oh my gosh, Tumble don't Time. call me out. <laughs> Listen, you I know that's I, what I'm doing. Okay, so I, when you Google Tumble Time, just random like children's gymnasiums come up. So let me look uh, up <laughs> Devolver to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, Jenny, Jenny, listen. Like, okay, this is way I, different than what um, came up before. Oh, I, yeah. I did see this. I did see this. I didn't play it, but I saw it. Well, first off, Jenny, listen. Like As soon as Kelsey gets home, we're finishing uh, uh, Blow Deck Down Under Season 2. Like, uh, that's... <laughs> yes. uh, is the one but, about rich people on boats? Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, yeah. Sarah Przorski, my colleague Sarah, watches that. And oh it's like, God. it's rich people on boats. Oh I need right. you to... I we need, need a reality to TV yeah. trash talk time because I'm Please. here for it. <laughs> we, need a, we need a trash TV games pairing. It's like, today yes. I'm watching Love Island <gasps> and playing Point P. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Devolver Tumble Time, the best way I could describe it is uh, it's just like Ooh, a dryer. It's just like you're you're oh. playing in a dryer <laughs> that's going around in a circle and you're trying to organize things. It's great. Oh, that's I cool. promise I'd say oh. I wouldn't get into a dryer upon any circumstance. Yeah, I don't recommend going in the dryer. <laughs> that's good. Because because we started watching um uh we've been watching a lot of God, what's it called? That British show where it's like you have t- Taskmaster. Oh yeah. Um and one of the things was like they had to do like a hide and seek thing. And I'm like, I would have tried to fit it was like the house. I'm like, I would try to fit in like the washing machine or something. He's like, No, what if it turns on? I'm like, what what if I unplug it? And he's like, You'll get stuck. It's like, promise me you won't go into any washing machines or dryers. <laughs> and I and I did, and I will honor that promise, but honestly, I feel like it's really limited the experiences that I can have. <laughs> just knowing that I can't go. I wasn't planning on it, but just to know that you never can, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I like that, but tumble we'll time to keep an we'll eye on that you. experience. Yeah, yeah, the maybe vicariously you can feel like you got it. Like finally, so, yeah. uh, the power fantasy I've been seeking. Tumble time. Listen, I, I believe Point P is in Tumble Time. Nice. So what? So what is? So you're you're playing in the dryer. It's, There's it, <laughs> it's a match. It's essentially a match three puzzle game, but you're like matching like a bunch of uh, Devolver characters. So like it's it's pretty much Devolvers. Cute. IP Cute. all in like a little match three or match whatever puzzle game. And it's really damn good. I, I lost so many minutes. I'm not gonna say hours. I lost so many minutes uh, over the holidays last year, just like cuddled up on the couch with a space heater going. I'm, I just got to play some tumble time. Just got to tumble it out a little bit. It's got some nice little haptics to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Speaking of matching games, because I know that <laughs> this has absolutely like, it's been out for a while. I know in Japan for sure, but like Suica game, have y'all gotten into the Suica game goodness? No, but I've seen it on TikTok. <sighs> it's, that is that is for me the game that I keep like, I, I don't, because I know it's on the Switch. I don't know if it's on the phone. I'm not even going to check, um, but I'll play it like in my break times, uh, just in between work and it's so good. It basically, it's just, it's another matching game. You have fruit, 
that you can place and then drop, mm. fall it down, and you match fruit to create watermelon. Like watermelon is the ultimate fruit that you want to to get. So like cherries will combine and create a strawberry. Strawberries will make like grapes or something like apples can combine to make pears and it makes no sense but it's super cute and if you want just something to let your brain float in fruity goodness <laughs> it's the one we need to make that list games that let your brain float in fruity goodness it's <laughs> yes. a necessary list especially for like a podcast like this where i feel like we like we established before we started recording we're physically here <laughs> But it's been a fight for our lives. I'm going to be completely honest, as I've struggled through a lot of this podcast. But I'm glad we activated upon point B. So, Janet, I appreciate you bringing up point B. Yeah, it's what it's what we really need. Here's the thing. Wait, so is this this is on this is Android Linux. So PC and Android currently. Yes. The Suica game or where is it? Um, I I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Android, PC and Nintendo Switch. I'm pretty sure. Um, I know a lot of people are playing on Switch. I play it on browser. I'm like, I can't. If I put it on my Switch and take mm. it with me places, it it's game over. So I need, and I need to play other games. I have other games I need to focus on. The sound design is is a lot. I just I just opened it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, it is quite loud. I will play this when we're done recording. It reminds me just being on the website, like it feels like I am in a tab that I'm not supposed to be in while I'm trying to be learning how to like type at the computer like feel computer class energy yeah it does oh my gosh you're so right i yep that's probably what the appeal is too i'm like i feel like i'm i'm doing something like not good at school you know like it's it's giving cool math games you know yeah (laughs) like back in the day Mm -hmm. well speaking of back in the day You've been trying so hard with all these transitions and like, yeah. I don't know how fruitful that's been. I'm for off you. my game. I'm on, I'm on staycation. I'm off my game tonight. <laughs> the session is closed. Go play indies. We're everywhere. Fucking, uh, no, I, I skipped a bunch of stuff. That's the end of this week's <laughs> council. Thank you for joining us. We're on Spotify, Apple podcasts and Google. Uh, and the indie council has its own socials, which are, um, indie ca- Council underscore because I couldn't get the handle on Twitter. And then I think the Indie Council everywhere else. Um, the most active one right now is Indie Council underscore, which is on Twitter, unfortunately. But um, I did post pictures of a lot of our pets on there yesterday. So it's worth a follow. Yeah. Jenny, you need to get Janet your pet pictures. Oh, yes. yeah. Did you dress up get... your cat? I didn't. But that's because Scrambles refuse. <laughs> he does not get dressed up. <laughs> Scrambles oh, doesn't sound like the cat though. Yeah, that's the thing. You, you gotta you're too nice to your cats. You gotta just you think my cat wanted to be a hot dog? She looked miserable. <laughs> miserable. But and I'm so sad too, because I put her in the costume and I forgot to record her because um she always runs for her food. And I was like, oh, the way that hot dog ran to the that's food. Amazing. Oh. And I can put her oh. in at any time, but it's not the same. So maybe I'll do it yeah. tonight before she eats get my get my content. I was like, look, I have, you don't work. I, you got you you something here. <laughs> Earn your cape. No, I um I have really cute pictures. I just bought the fluffiest cat bed and nice. I need to go buy another one because they both are trying to vie for it now and it is causing a bit of tension in the siblings. So um because they don't like to sleep next to each other. So I have to get two separate cat beds now. But yeah, I'll send some cute cat bed pictures. Sweet. Yeah. 
Uh, I forgot I want to bring up one little treat before we close out um, because we talked a lot about the Cosmic Appeal Sisterhood in previous podcasts. I went to a retro game uh, flea market for like it was a spoopy themed flea market here in Raleigh. Uh, And I came across the uh, special reserve edition of the Red Strings Club. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Is that a steel book or is it? um... Let's open it. Uh, vamp vamp while it. I struggle. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. As soon as you started, I just knew. So right now, for audio listeners, he's bitten into the plastic. Now he's going with scissors. Which oh my god! Next question: Did he need to bite it at all? If he was just going to go to the scissors, maybe he just likes the taste. Hole. Um, Mike, please yeah, don't I, I interrupt our vamping. Please focus Sorry. on your task at hand. Thank you. One also, I love the way he's holding something. the sitter, scissors like it's like an X, but he's holding kind of like midway through. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what is safe. happening. <laughs> he's taking it off camera because I think he doesn't like the narration. It's mostly open. He's no, it's not. He, no, he's bulleted. Has any pla- okay? There we go. There the we plastic go. has come off. Yeah. Oh, I don't shit, want to be too descriptive because I don't want. To- <gasps> oh, there's a what? Okay, <laughs> yeah, the, the candle. candle. You <laughs> said you've set a lot of things on fire on this show, Mike. Yeah, that's on par for my lifestyle. <laughs> I set my neighbor's lawn on fire once. He wasn't happy about that. No problem. Uh, no steelbook. Thank you for no follow-up questions with that one. Uh, no steelbook. <laughs> yeah, the, the, normal, the normal game. Uh, but we got coasters. Oh, yeah, coasters. That's oh, finally, cool. a place for your drink. Yeah, the bang candle. <laughs> the bang candle. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Wow. Stunning. I wish y'all could experience what I'm experiencing right now with this bang candle. Uh, yeah, so just game and coasters. That's all we got for you. Nice. And I, I think there's a book in here. There is a book in here. Oh, no, it's a print. It's a print. That's cool. Yeah, if y'all haven't played Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood, oof, that is speaking of good games this Speaking year of good games. i know i have it i still need to get to I, it. I have so many that i need to get to off this list alone from these titles but even on the, the physical side of things like i just got the uh, alert that uh little gator games physical edition from super rare games is selling Dude, out like, that game is so good that, that game, game is so on. good so good that has a steel book from special sorry super rare games yeah. i get all these companies confused they got don't a lot of tell me these things i don't have the pocketbook for it they got a lot of merch they also have like a they made a plushies at one point i know it's a little gator mm-hmm. the steel book comes with a little gator magnet for your fridge that's cute that's cute or wherever you like to stick your magnets um, you, you do you anyways the session's closed go play indies <laughs> <laughs>